But today we're going to be backtracking to uh, Matthew 7, 1 to 5, in order to make absolutely certain that we are hearing and putting into practice this really important teaching from Jesus. So as we, as we begin, just a little exercise. I want everyone to close their eyes. Stand up, spin around as fast as you can ten times, run all around the sanctuary without knocking into anyone or anything. Does that sound possible? No. That's right. It's impossible. I said it quickly so you wouldn't actually do it and feel embarrassed. Um, it's ridiculous. It's a ludicrous idea. You're going to bump into everything and knock yourself over. But Jesus shares uh, a, a similarly ridiculous thing that we tend to do that really does impact our lives quite a bit. When we choose to sit in God's chair and become the judge, the jury, and the executioner. Um, when we choose to judge other people, uh, it's something that can really uh, be quite ridiculous, as we'll see in this passage today. So with this, cra- this crazy uh, image in mind of just running around and trying not to hit anything with your eyes closed, let's read this passage from Matthew 7, 1 to 5. I touched on this during communion a couple weeks ago. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the while there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So I wanted to look at the, just this briefly this morning, I wanted to look at, the, at two parts of this passage. Uh, the beginning says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is a heavy, heavy statement. Um, and this is actually, parts of this passage are some of the most popular words that Christians and non-Christians like to say to each other. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Or you'll hear, someone will be like, only God can judge me, those kind of things, right? Which is actually true, but I don't think people really mean it that way. <clears throat> but this is one of the things that, that people say all the time. And it seems to be saying that for ourselves and the people around us, you know, all choices are equally valid, all values are equally good and right. Nothing is really right or wrong in particular. There's no objective moral standard. And so no one can say anything about anyone at any time. It just, that's, that's one way that someone could look at this. And that is more or less the spirit of the age in which we live, where pretty much it's live and let live. We tolerate, we say tolerance, we tolerate other people. That's a sad word. Um, we're actually called to something deeper, to, to deep communion and fellowship with people that we strongly disagree with um, and these kind of things. Uh, but... Uh, you know, the spirit of our time said, you know, there's no, there's no measuring goodness or evil, black or white, or, or shades of gray. Everything is fine, every choice, everything is fine. But we know that this passage is not talking about having no values and having no standards. That's not what it's talking about. Just because it's saying don't judge, it's not saying that there isn't a way to look at things and evaluate whether they are good or bad. Judgment is about the heart, and it's about not loving someone through judging them and writing them off. It's a, it's a heart problem. We know that Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't dis- discern anything around us because in this very chapter 
Uh, in Matthew 7, Jesus talks about a narrow gate that leads to life and a broad road that leads to destruction. He talks about discerning between true prophets and false prophets, like teachers, right? People that speak the word. How do we tell the difference between, between fake ones and real ones? So that's Seems to be a judgment call. In the same chapter that we just read this judging others section in, uh, there is Jesus talking about people that build their lives foolishly on a foundation that crumbles and leads to destruction instead of building on his word. And Jesus' very word is a lot of, you know, objective, objective stuff, you know, um, that we can clearly evaluate and say, this is right, this is wrong. We can evaluate things that way. But we know that Jesus is not saying that we can't evaluate the things around us as far as goodness and badness is concerned. The key to understanding this teaching of Jesus from, uh, from Matthew 7 is to understand that there are two meanings for the word judgment in the Bible and really two meanings for the word judgment in English as well. So the meaning number one, I kind of showed my, showed my cards a little bit, I call this discernment. That's what this passage uh, that, that's, 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 uh, discernment is, is looking at two things and understanding how they are different, right? Looking, so, so judgment as discernment is looking at like a basket of fruit and, and discerning, you know, one of these is an apple, one of these is an orange. They're different. You look at them, you, you, uh, you evaluate them, and you tell the difference. And certainly Jesus is not telling us not to do that. That's something that we have to be able to do. Yesterday I had a conversation with uh, my son, he was talking about, uh, you know, Daddy, I saw some mushrooms in the woods. Which ones do we know we can eat or not eat? Right? And so I told him the story of Christopher McCandless, the, you know, Into the Wild, that movie and that book, about the, the wild man hiker who foraged for his food. He, he ended up passing away in Alaska from poisoning because he discerned improperly between two different, very similar-looking plants or seeds, and he was poisoned. Uh, now he actually, I think, starved to death, but he, he was incapacitated. He couldn't get to food because he was poisoned by this, by not discerning between one seed, one plant, and another seed. Tragic story. And so I, say, I, told, I told my son about this because I want him to know that just because it looks like a cherry or a berry or a mushroom, like, just don't eat it. Because who knows? Who knows if this is going to make you go blind or make you be poisoned? You have to discern. We all have to discern. We need to discern between um, sin and righteousness because sin kills people. Sin kills people. People become, people actually over time when they walk in sin change from one type of person into another type of person to the point where they're hardly recognizable. It's very sad. And Jesus came so that we could be, become fully human. He came so that we could become fully alive uh, in the spirit of Christ, and, and live the way that God always intended us to live. And, and sin, when we don't discern it right and we, and we indulge in, in sin, it just distorts. It brings uh, some, some bad things into play. So we have to have discernment. We have to judge things around us. We have to do it to, 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 to thrive, to stay alive. So this, this is what Jesus is talking about later in the chapter, discerning between false prophets and true prophets, discerning between building on a good foundation or a bad foundation, discerning between the narrow road that leads to life or the broad road that leads to destruction. There's all kinds of teaching we could do here. There's so much data that Jesus gives us. But that's not uh, what this passage is talking about when it says do not judge. It's not saying do not discern. 
Because the second meaning of judgment is what you would probably think of when you think about judgment. It's to sit in a place of superiority over other people, to condemn other people in your heart, and to write someone off and prejudge them uh, in the place of God. And this is something that we do all the time with, with other people. Uh, we, we stop actively loving people when we judge them in our hearts. So it's one thing to disagree with someone's discernible decisions and what they choose to believe or not believe or what they, how they choose to live their life. Uh, we, can, we can discern what that looks like, good and evil, but we must never slip into this place of being a judgmental Christian because judgment is the antithesis of love. Uh, you cannot, for humans... They really cannot uh, judge someone and love them well at the same time because love is an action that we do. And um, when you judge someone and write them off, uh, you, you cease to start doing things for the good of that person. You start to write them off and say, you know what, this person's nothing. This person doesn't have anything to offer. And the truth is that uh, every person is made in the image of God. Every person has something to offer. Every person, no matter how corrupted they've become through through sin or different things, has such great value. Uh, there, there's a glory in, in a human being that God has put in them. And the Bible says he made us a little lower than the angels. Okay, that's pretty wild. Uh, a, a human being fully alive in Christ is, is, a, is a glorious thing. But every human has that potential in them. And when we judge someone prematurely and say, you know, this person's never going to get their stuff together, I'm just going to stop uh, tr- working with them. And we, we kind of say, you know, they're just kind of like a loser or someone that just can't, uh, can't figure it out. We put ourselves in this place of God. We, we judge, jury, and execution. We write them off. We stop loving them. And love is the essence of what it means to be a Christian because God is love, okay? And we cannot be made perfect in love if we are going to be judging people and putting ourselves in this high and mighty place, the holy person club, so uh, I, I read from an author a few weeks ago. I wanted to share this quote. He says, The kind of judgment Jesus forbids is the sort that condemns another person. Sinful judgment devalues a person or a group of people. That's particularly popular in our day. Just listen to the radio. It diminishes their inherent worth as those made in God's image. Instead, they become seen as a subhuman species, undeserving of our respect or love. In some cases, the judgment may cause us to think they are unworthy of even being alive. The command to judge not is a warning not to exclude anyone from the reach of God's love or to see ourselves or our group as inherently superior to another. We may disagree with our neighbors. We may discern another person or group to be wrong. But when this discernment leads us to value our neighbor less, that is when we cross from discernment into judgment, condemnation, and ungodly exclusion. This sort of rhetoric fills our culture and is applauded by many. It has become acceptable even among some Christians to condemn those who hold different religious, cultural, or political beliefs. We are quick to call them enemies and reluctant to love them as neighbors. When we condemn another, we are declaring they have no worth. They do not matter to us or to God. This impulse to judge is often a way of elevating ourselves by devaluing another. And I will say, I think that this has actually gotten worse in Christian circles. 
Look, I think, I think we've, got, we've gone backwards. We have to be very careful to follow the teachings of Jesus in this highly toxic sort of uh, environment that we live in where everyone is so far to the left or so far to the right or whatever, not, not just politically, in every respect. Um, love is just being extinguished in the hearts of Christians. It's really ugly. And some people, some Christians have changed in the last couple of years because they have become part of the toxic us versus them culture that's killing us. You can't love and judge people at the same time. You can love and discern someone's darkness at the same time. And, and when, whenever Jesus discerned someone's sin or darkness, it was always with a heart full of compassion and a desire to touch them. So Jesus never, like himself, where, whereas we see someone's weakness and we, we see how someone is or what they think or what they do, and we judge them and write them off, Jesus saw people and he had compassion on them because he discerned that they needed the healer. And he knew that he was the healer and he wanted to give himself to those people. To the lowest of the low, anyone in society who's looked down on, Jesus was right on top of that. And whenever he discerned someone's sin, his compassion just, you know, whether it was the sin of loving money uh, too much and basing everything on money, whether it was uh, whatever it may be, prostitution or addiction issues, Jesus' heart went out to these people. And he discerned the truth about them, and it, and it resulted in compassion. We have, we're in such danger as Christians because we have this word of God, and it's so easy to pass, like that author says, from discernment into judgment. Because we have the book, and we, and we, uh, we know the book, that the Bible says God is for us. And sometimes people um, fortify this idea like God is for us and not for others in their head. Unbiblical idea. God is... Uh, gave his life for the sins of the world. And he saved us while we were still his enemies. And he continues to pour out his grace on us as we continue to walk in the other direction and to ignore him and not be thankful. Um, Jesus wants us to be a people of love, a people of discernment. And when we discern good from evil in the person around us, he wants us to be a people who have compassion on them and try to give them Jesus. Try to give them a little bit of what we have, recognizing that we ourselves are pretty much in the same boat as that person that we are uh, tempted to judge harshly. We're kind of all in the same sinking ship here. But you can't love and judge at the same time for people. Discernment's good, judgment, not good. The warning Jesus gives us to not condemn others through harsh judgments is followed by what I think is a very ominous teaching. It's almost as ominous as the end of the Lord's Prayer which I think is quite ominous as well, where he says, forgive us our sins like we, like we forgive other people. So forgive us to the extent that we forgive other people, Jesus, we're saying in that prayer. That's a scary thought. So it's saying like, if you forgive other people their sins, your heavenly Father will forgive your sins, right? So this is a similar kind of ominous thought in, in verse two. Maybe ominous isn't the right word. I'm just saying it's, it's striking. It really is striking. So it says... For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's really, that should wake us up pretty quick. Um, the way that you judge others will be the basis by which you are judged. And the measuring stick which you put over other people's lives and evaluate whether they're worthy or not 
uh, is the same measuring stick that we put on you, is essentially what it's saying. And, and I don't think this is a, um, I, think, I think that this is not meant to strike fear into anybody. I think it's meant to, to, uh, to make a really, really strong point. This is extremely important, which is why I wanted to touch back on this today. Just like the Lord's Prayer saying, forgive us as we forgive others, that's good to have in mind when you're uh, thinking about not forgiving others. Um, when you judge people, it's good to have in mind do you want this to be placed on your life? Are you really any better or worse than this person? Are you, or are you both in the same sinking ship? Do you have compassion or do you have judgments? I don't think anyone wants to be judged based on the standard that we use on each other. I don't think so. So not condemning them. So I would say it's, it's a time, it's, it's a, this pastor is a time for real self-awareness. You know, if you are someone who nurses anger, bitterness, a grudge against other people, or you just kind of talk about people negatively. Maybe you're, you're, you're in a household and you talk to your spouse and you together, you kind of like have that group mentality, together we'll talk about people negatively. Or you talk, you know, you could have a whole household, a toxic household, where everyone's just talking about people outside of the household negatively and it becomes acceptable because it's a group doing it. But every Christian has to take responsibility not to do this and has to take responsibility to put their foot down and say, we're not going to be these people as a couple, as a family, as a household, um, it's not okay just because everyone does it. It's going to kill us. Uh, it's going to ruin everything, and we're going to lose our love. And so, in the, uh, so if you're nursing a grudge, if you're having these issues, or even hateful thoughts towards people, resentment, um, we, need to, we need to do an about-face as quick as we can. We need to work through it. And of course, God doesn't expect us to magically change. He expects us to walk with him through forgiveness, which we can do through fellowship, through community, through soul care, um, sharing our burdens with one another. We can walk through to get to a place of love once again. So for in, this, in the same way that you judge others and label them and ex- exclude them from the righteous person club that you are a part of, um, the same judgment will fall on you if you do not turn. So Jesus goes on to illustrate his point with a very ridiculous scenario comparable to my scenario in the beginning of the sermon. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. And, you know, we're used to this passage. It's not so funny anymore, but it's really, I'm sure the original audience probably chuckled at this. A tiny bit of microscopic sawdust in your eye, in, in, in your brother's eye, or your sister's eye, but you're walking around with a giant, like, log over your eyes, and you can't see anything, and you're like, Let me help you with that. Let me help you with your sawdust. You know, like you have a real problem. I don't know why you can't get your life together. You know, this is our tendency as people. This is really what we do. This is our bread and butter. Um, we are part of the, the, the Righteous People's Club and we're walking around with logs in our eyes. And uh, Jesus says, this is just as ridiculous as, um, as judging other people uh, and excluding them. So it says, how can you, how can you say to your brother, let, let me take the speck out of your eye, and all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is kind of asking here, why are people who are blinded by their lack of self-awareness judging other people so harshly? And Jesus encourages us to love everyone as a precious person made in God's image despite any of their choices, any of their characteristics, which we might even correctly discern to be wrong or sinful or off, but we are never to judge and condemn them. 
Um, we are instead to have hearts of love and compassion and really solidarity because we are all in this together, this human thing together. And, and all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all of us need Jesus to help us all the time. And something I've, I've I learned really clearly uh, in the past, if I could say in the past, you know, since I came to Christ 20 years ago, it's that uh, the thing that I've learned the most is every day is lived by the grace and love of God for us. Like, whether you have a horrible day of, you know, just making terrible decisions, sinning, ruin, ruining stuff, um, you need grace for those days. But you need grace for your good days, too. We all need God's grace all the time, a lot of it. And our fellow humans need God's grace, too. They need to know his love. And, and uh, judgment will, um, will get in the way of that. But what, a, what an amazing thing that Jesus discerned good and evil. And his response was not condemnation, but compassion. And offering himself to them. And even at the Last Supper, he offered the bread and the wine to Judas, who would, he knew he was going to betray him. This is, our, this is our Christ. I know that life is hard, and I know that it's hard to forgive. It's hard to reconcile uh, some, of the, some of the things that happened to us. And uh, I know that everyone could sit here and tell stories all day that would make a very good case for, not, for judging other people, for not forgiving them and all these kinds of things. But the problem is that all of us have done the same things to greater and lesser degrees in our lives. And all of us are in need of God's grace. And so compassion is what we should have. If we, if we would like someone to have compassion on us, we should have compassion on other people. It's, the golden rule goes far beyond do no harm. You know, that's, do no harm is kind of like the, the underscore of many world religions, but Christianity is... Uh, is actively love other people, seek their good. In fact, think about what you'd like done for you and try to do that for other people. Um, figure out what other people's needs are and try to meet their needs like they're your needs. This is the law of Christ. People are, no matter how broken people become, they are still glorious. It sounds like blasphemy, but they are. We are, we are made in God's image, men and women. We have the essence of God in us, his, his very breath of life. Even someone who has just done really terribly in their lives and gotten to a bad place, they still have the beauty of what God's put in them. They're, still, they're not beyond redemption. No one is. And when we judge, we say, you're beyond God's grace and love, but I'm not. That's not good. I ended up watching some, um, some documentaries of various people who are, you know, um, addicted to drugs or, or just currently living, living a lifestyle where they're really in, in trouble. And just seeing them as people, hearing their stories, how sad it is. Um, everyone is a result of other things that have happened. And uh, we all have to take responsibility for our lives, but uh, sometimes it's just almost unavoidable that someone ended up where they are. And they need our compassion. They need our help. So the application for today's sermon is simple. Everything in your life, think, think through this grid. <laughs> All the time. Um, always be thinking, is the measure I'm using to judge other people a measure I'd like to be evaluated by myself? Um, always be thinking, 
You know, am I, when I discern someone has some sin problems and some, some things or even things that just bother me about them, I just don't like them in some way uh, for whatever reason, you know, am I then ceasing to love them and dismiss them and write them off as a project not worthy of my attention? I think the Spirit of Christ is asking us to consider who we may be judging and condemning and then to just repent and turn from that behavior and turn back to love. To pray blessings on people who are our enemies. It says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons and daughters of God. Who causes his son to rise and the just and the unjust, causes rain to fall on everybody. His grace. It's, it's also a time, I think, to, to look inward. I think uh, when, when we find the impulse to judge other people and write them off, rising up within us, we need to look and say, wait a minute, do I, am I judging this person because this is something I myself struggled with in the past and overcame, and now I'm on solid ground and I don't really feel the humility I used to feel about it? Ask yourself if you are looking into a mirror when you judge other people. And use it as a tool of self-awareness. I mean, God wants us to be aware of what we're doing and what's going on because God wants to bless people. He wants to, he wants to build us up, uh, certainly. I think also when, when judgment rises up in us, we need to just remember that truth that we are all saved and loved by God and his grace. You know, we are all saved and deeply loved by God, not because of anything we've done, but because we are just his beloved. He's chosen to put his love on us. And uh, we, should, we should try to give that same love to everyone around us and also to take in that love ourselves, to take it in and then give it out liberally as much as we can. And when we do turn to pull the speck out of our brother or sister's eye, make sure that we've dealt with our log. And then when you can see clearly, Jesus says, you can then remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. And I think what he's saying is, you know, once you have become self-aware, you've taken that blindness off yourself, then in deep humility, recognizing you just had a log in your eye five minutes ago. Five minutes ago, you had a log on your face. So you're in a place of humility. You notice the speck. You don't judge, but you have compassion. You say, yeah, I've been there. I, I understand that. You know, and this is what I, happened to me. This is how I got free of this. You know, let's pray to God together for grace. That's why I think when the Bible talks about talking to brothers or sisters in Christ about uh, sin problems in their lives and trying to help them, it says, yeah, you can, you can try to save someone, but make sure that you don't fall into it as you're doing that. Um, <laughs> so on, on the canoe trip, that's classic, right? You know, we're, you see your friends struggling uh, in a strong rapids, their canoe's about to tip over, and your impulse is to like bring your canoe over and try to help them, but you probably are both going to tip, and then you're no good to anybody. And that's kind of how, how it is, right? So the Spirit of Christ is saying, you know, look at the log in your eye, Use other people uh, and, and your reactions to them to gauge, you know, what, what, what's really going on with me? What do I need to work on? And um, what issues are blinding, are blinding me? And to remember the grace of God, that he's, he's forgiven us and loved us with an amazing love um, that we should be passing out to everybody around us. As the worship team comes forward, I want to share a few verses to, to close our time together. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Judge nothing 
before the appointed time until the Lord comes and does it. That's a pretty strong word. James 4, 7-12. And I think this could really illustrate the entire sermon very well. So it talks about our own, dealing with our own sin and then dealing with judgment issues. Listen to this. Submit yourselves then to God. That means humble yourself, right? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And right after that verse, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So as we come to the Lord in, uh, in worship right now, we're singing this song, You Are My King, acknowledging that he is the only king. <laughs> and we are not him. And we're asking him to show us the logs in our lives and to give us hearts of love for those we have prematurely written off and judged. Jesus, we all stand in the shadow of your grace and your kindness towards us. Thank you for your loving us with a great love, for having compassion on us when we are dead in our sins, for reaching out and grabbing us, and for faithfully walking by us even as we continue to muck things up. So thankful for your companionship, your love, your grace. I pray that we would learn to walk uh, in, in your love with our relationships with others, with our private thoughts, um, that we would be like Jesus, not just hearing his teaching, but putting it into practice. I pray your blessing on every person here, every celebration, every remembrance that's happening on this special day. We love you and we thank you for this family, the church that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dispersed. Go be the church.